Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. Today is Pentecost Sunday. And I love it. Christmas Sunday, we celebrate the coming of Christ, the birth of Christ. Easter Sunday, we celebrate the resurrection of Christ. Today, we celebrate, and Christians have since the time of the apostles, sometimes there was only a few, Pentecost Sunday, 50 days after the resurrection of Christ, we celebrate the coming of the Holy Spirit in a very good, unique sense to indwell believers and to put Christians or believers into union in the body of Christ. Pentecost Sunday. Today is Pentecost Sunday. And uh, there's much in the Word of God with regards to the ministries of the Holy Spirit and the person of the Holy Spirit. We know, and I'm going to go with something very basic with you here until we get digging into the Word of God. First of all, the Holy Spirit is God. The Holy Spirit's not an it. Uh, someone in men's Bible study this past Saturday morning, yesterday, he said, you know, for, for a number of years I used to hear people talking about the Holy Spirit as an it. The Holy Spirit's not an it. It's the person, the third person of the Godhead. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And one of the beauties of something like Awana Clubs, the kids come and you start talking to them and you say, what do you know about God? And you hear them say things like, well, he's the man upstairs. and uh, you know." But then... By the end of the Awana year in May, you say, who is God? Oh, he exists in three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And the Father sent the Son to die on the cross. And the Holy Spirit came to live within us. It's beautiful. The Holy Spirit is God. The Holy Spirit is a real person. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit indwells every one of us who are believers. And I was thinking of that again this morning. When I was praying and looking over things for the message. I, I, it's a wonderful thing to comprehend the fact that when we became Christians, God the Holy Spirit came to live within us. And what an awesome position we have. And we're going to talk about this and the source of power for the Christian life. That the Holy Spirit lives within you, within, within us. In fact, I love 1 John 4, 4 where it says, Greater is he that is in you than the devil. Who's more powerful? Jesus Christ in the person of the Holy Spirit living within you. Greater is he. But boy, Satan's powerful. We never want to underestimate that. He can take people's minds and thoughts and he can turn them away from the truth of the word of God. So that's why we need to stay close to the Lord and in the word of God. We'll share more about this as we go along. A number of years ago, in fact, in the 1800s, there was a violinist by the name of Paganini. Nicola Paganini, who lived in Italy. And he was having a concert one night. And his violin, he was playing very beautifully. And one of the strings broke. And uh, some people saw it and they kind of giggled a little bit about it. Then a second string broke. He must have cranked it up too tight. I don't know. And then a third string broke. 
And then he stopped and paused and he said, Just one string and Paganini. And they said he played that beautifully and ended the concert with beautiful music. Just one string and Paganini. Well, you know, that's a little type or picture of you as a believer with the Holy Spirit. And it's amazing what God will do in your life as you submit and yield. We're going to end with that word yield to the Holy Spirit who lives within you. It is amazing what you will be able to do for God. And sometimes we can't even look ahead. We say, well, you know, I want to do things for God. It is amazing you and the Holy Spirit what you can accomplish for God. So awesome. Now, uh, I want us to again think about this. I want to get into the text here. Uh, I'd like for us to think about what the Holy Spirit has really done for us. Uh, One of the great gifts that I have experienced, and perhaps many of you have as well, is the fact that I had an enjoyable childhood. I thank the Lord for my parents. They weren't saved when they were children. They were saved when they were a little bit older. But they came to true faith in Christ. And I, I can truly say I had an enjoyable childhood. We lived in a middle-class neighborhood with semi-detached houses in Pennsauken, New Jersey. You ought to visit there sometime. Just kidding. But it was a neat community. There were some public parks nearby. I could ride my bike there often, even when in junior high and early high school years. And... Um, Our home church was in walking distance. My dad did not own a car for many years. And they walked the church four blocks away. Good church where they had vacation Bible schools. I've been in vacation Bible school since I was about that tall. And I don't know what I'd do with a a year if I couldn't go to vacation Bible school. Great Sunday school teachers. It's a beautiful church. St. Paul's Evangelical Lutheran Church. It was a Lutheran church that opened the Bible. And we used to call it, in fact, our logo was Gospel Preaching, Bible Teaching. Need both in a church. So I enjoyed all the blessings of life. My parents cared for me. My brothers cared for me. Uh, We had an active church. And, um, you know, for years I don't know if I really understood why I so much enjoyed childhood. But now I know it was because of the fact that I had parents who knew Christ as Savior. And all the blessings of our family ultimately came from God. And many of you could say the same thing. Some of you may have had had real trials in your uh, childhood. But, you know, I want want to do a little contrast here. Sometimes people get saved and they get into the family of God and they don't enjoy the Christian life. And they go through all kinds of trials and needs. Now listen, we all have trials. Ken Rogers and you as well. We all have trials come along. We all have things we don't understand. We all have needs come along. We say, wow, Lord, I wonder how you're going to work this out. But here's the point. You and I as believers can really enjoy the Christian life. Even though there are things over here that boy, we'd love to see them different. You know, we'd love to see these trials go away. 
But we can enjoy the Christian life. And here's what I want you to remember this morning. Because of the coming of the Holy Spirit, okay, Acts chapter 2, because of the fact the Holy Spirit came and baptized us into the body of Christ. Very important. So you say, uh, what are you trying to say, Pastor? I'm trying to say there's some Christians who don't enjoy the Christian life. They don't enjoy their Bibles. They don't enjoy fellowship in the family of God. And they, they go through a lot of trials and mental stress. A lot. Is that what God wants? No, he wants us to enjoy one another in the family of God. He wants us to enjoy our walk with the Lord. Remember I said now, yes, we are going to have real difficult things along the pathway, but we want to enjoy the spiritual life, and we can. I'm going to read to you from Acts chapter 1, verses 4 and 5, if you want to look at it. The Lord Jesus said, Before he ascended up into heaven, Do not depart from uh, Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father which you have heard from me. For John truly baptized with water, but you will be, don't miss this now, baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Okay? And so that which took place in Acts chapter 2, which we read this morning, is the baptizing work of the Holy Spirit. And, and we've got to start right now by saying, what is it? Well, when you trusted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you didn't experience, you didn't feel this, but you were baptized with the Spirit. The Spirit of God came and took you as a person, as a believer, and placed you into the body of Christ. And now you belong to Jesus and you belong to brothers and sisters in Christ. And key reference, 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and I'll read it slowly. For by one spirit are we all, meaning all believers, baptized into one body, whether we are Jews or Gentiles, slaves or free, and we've been all made to partake of the ministries of one spirit. So you see, we belong together in the body of Christ. When you trusted Jesus, whenever you were born again, you, were, you all of a sudden got me as your brother. <laughs> See, we're one another in the family of God. How awesome. The Holy Spirit's baptizing work does two things. Number one, it places you into the body of Christ, so you are now joined into the family of God. And then secondly, it placed you into Jesus Christ. That's very important. Romans 6 says, as many of us as were baptized into Christ Jesus, were baptized into his death. You were identified with Christ. You were born. You were uh, identified and brought into union with Jesus. And remember, he died on the cross and he was buried and he rose again. And because you are so united to Jesus, there's that sense in which you died with Christ and you were buried with Christ and you were raised again. Man, tremendous things have happened in our lives. When we're born again... Uh, this results in getting spiritual life and results in Christ coming into our lives. All right, I'm going to repeat that. When you prayed and asked Jesus to be your Savior, the result of that was Christ came into your life. We're going to look at a verse in just a minute. But when you trusted Jesus Christ as Savior, also at the same time, it resulted in you being joined to Jesus Christ. You were baptized into Christ. I hope you can remember that. It's not that difficult a concept. In fact, 
I got the verse that's going to encourage you. It's John 14, 20. And if you keep your hand in Acts 2, I would look, like you to look at John 14, 20, because it's a verse you should never forget. John chapter 14 and verse 20, which says, it's the words of Jesus, and he says, At that day you will know that I am in the Father, You will know that I am in Father. He's in union with the Father in heaven. Now watch the second part of verse 20. John 14, 20. And you in me, and I in you. (laughs) Man, don't miss that. Don't miss it. You are now in Christ. You're united to Christ through the baptizing work of the Holy Spirit. And Christ is living in you. It would be good if we say, okay, let's stop right here. Because we've got to keep that concept in mind. That's a tremendous source of encouragement. You and me, and I in you. Now let's look a little bit at the coming of the Holy Spirit in Acts chapter 2. A beautiful event which multitudes of people today around the world will celebrate. And we're celebrating together Acts chapter 2, Pentecost Sunday. Uh, the descent of the Holy Spirit is given in 2, 1 through 13. And when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. Now, the name Pentecost means 50th, okay? And Pentecost was one of those Old Testament feasts of Israel that was held 50 days after the Feast of First Fruits. Stay with me. These Jewish feasts, the Feast of Passover, First Fruits, Pentecost, were all pictures of what Jesus Christ would do for us. How beautiful. The calendar of the Jewish feasts in Leviticus 23 is the outline of the work of Christ. Okay, Passover. Passover pictures the death of Christ. Remember John the Baptist said when he saw Jesus walking by, John said, Behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. Woo, wow. There goes Jesus. He hadn't even been to the cross yet. But John knew by the revelation of God that he was the true Messiah. He was the promised Messiah. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Christ our Passover was sacrificed. He's the Lamb of God, the Passover Lamb. And then you have the first fruits, which is a picture of the resurrection of Christ. People of Israel for many, many years, hundreds of years, celebrated the the harvest, the first fruits. And uh, as a result of the harvest... They would take the first of the crop to the place of worship and they would give it to the Lord. Well, we today, we bring the first of our offering. Um, we, we earn money and we bring our offerings to the Lord. Well, the people of Israel didn't have offering plates as such as we're thinking of them right now, Old Testament. But they would bring the first of their crops and grains and they would take them to the temple and they would give them literally to the Lord. Feast of first fruits, and that was a picture of Jesus rising from the dead uh, to live eternally uh, in the resurrection body. Christ, our first fruits, risen for us. Now, after that, we have 50 days after the resurrection of Christ, we have what is called the day of Pentecost, when we celebrate the coming of the Holy Spirit. Now, quickly, and we're going to see how this all works its way out. The Jewish believers were baptized by the Holy Spirit 
on the day of Pentecost. Jesus said previously in chapter 1, not many days from now, the Holy Spirit's going to come. The Gentile believers, by the way, they were baptized by the Holy Spirit, non-Jews, in Acts chapter 11, when the Holy Spirit came upon them, just as it did in Acts chapter 2. Now let's look at uh, 2.1 again. It says, they were all with one accord in one place. Where was that one place? Well, it was probably the upper room where the disciples had gathered together. And many believe the upper room was right near the, the temple complex, a house in which the uh, apostles were and other believers with them. And it says in verse 2, And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. The word suddenly says they were surprised that it happened. Now, they, Jesus told them it would happen. But they were surprised that it happened because they didn't expect the sound of the mighty wind. They didn't expect the noise. They didn't expect the uh, being able to speak in other languages. And so um, they didn't expect these dram- uh, dramatic signs. And let's, let's list them. In verse 2, it says, a sound like a mighty wind. All right, I'm going to stop talking for a minute. It's real quiet in here. But just, (laughs) still is. (laughs) But just think of, you heard the sound of a mighty wind. Well, that's what they heard. All right, the second thing is, divided tongues of fire resting on them. Now, this wasn't tongues of fire that would burn them. It was the glory of God that could be seen. Little tongues of fire over their heads. Remember when Moses saw the burning bush? The bush was on fire and yet it wasn't consumed. Why? Because it was the glory of God was visible there. So here in this upper room where the disciples are, with the coming of the Holy Spirit, there's the sound of mighty wind. Wind and spirit, their pictures are types of the Holy Spirit. And it says... There were the tongues of fire that rested upon their heads. That must have been something to see, you think? Supposing this morning we all had a little fire above our heads. <clears throat> you think, well, I'm not going back there anymore. <laughs> all right, let's answer the question. Why did the Lord allow that to happen? <clears throat> because he was doing something special, wasn't he? He was sending his Holy Spirit to take these true believers in Jesus Christ the Messiah and he was going to mix them together in the body of Christ and he was going to put the Holy Spirit within them. And that's why he did this. In fact, verse 3 says, uh, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. I'm sorry, verse 4. They were filled with the Holy Spirit and they began to speak with other tongues. And the word tongues there could be related, um, or rather is related to a word which means other languages. Now, Even within Christianity, there's a lot of discussion with regards to uh, what's involved here with tongues. I believe the text is very clear. I don't think there's really any other way to interpret it. It is referring to known languages. You say, why do you say that? It's a good question. Take verse 5 on in chapter 2. It says, and there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews devout men from every nation under heaven and when this sound occurred the multitude came together and were confused because everyone heard them speak in his own language so the apostles then had the ability to 
I'll take another language that I can't speak so well, but you can, some of you. Spanish. They could communicate the truth of God in Spanish. Or they could contribute, uh, pardon me, communicate the gospel in languages of some of these other areas, the Parthians, the Medes. You see, it's languages. Now, what you have today in some circles is what they call a heavenly language, and there's gibberish. I do not believe the text of Scripture supports that at all. When it says tongues, glossa, G-L-O-S-S-A, it refers to languages. In fact, they were known language. And I've talked to people who speak in these gibberish tongues, and I say, are they known language? And they'll say, well, not really. Um, You say, well, how, how come people were moved over to do that? Well, because there are those who encourage them to do it. Encourage them to do it. They said, "Yes, start working yourself up, start breathing, and start start trying to say things." And and um, and all of a sudden, some gibberish will come out. I was in a service not too many years ago, and I'm sitting there, and the man's really preaching the word of God. I mean, it was beautiful. And all of a sudden, he starts going, couldn't understand one word. First Corinthians 14 says, if there's any kind of sp- tongue speaking or language speaking, there must be an interpreter. Otherwise, confusion goes into the body of Christ. Very important. Very important. So these disciples then, these apostles, in fact, it's the apostles were the ones who really were communicating the gospel very clearly. They're telling that Jesus the Messiah has come. And we need to praise God for what he has done in sending the Savior to forgive our sins. Okay? So that's the idea in Acts chapter 2. And the amazing thing is, you'll notice the text says in verse 4, they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, remember we talked about the fact that I talked about enjoying childhood and the fact that we can enjoy the Christian life? We can enjoy the Christian life if we're yielded to the Holy Spirit. If he's really guiding us and moving us along. And see, there are the Bible's real clear. When someone's filled with the Holy Spirit, there will be a boldness to share the word of God. Acts chapter 1 verse 8. You shall receive power after that the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be witnesses unto me. If you at work talk to another sister or brother in Christ or someone who doesn't know Christ as Savior, if you share Jesus with them, you're filled with the Spirit. The Spirit of God, you see, burdens you for somebody. He may burden you to take some scripture and give it to someone who doesn't know Jesus as Savior. We had a man in our church a number of years ago who used to buy Bibles by the box. And he'd say, you know, I take them to work. He says, I I know some guys that don't know Christ. I stick a track in there and I give out Bibles. He says, "I'm, I'm ready to order another box of Bibles. He was, he was burdened by the Holy Spirit to do that. There's a willingness to face opposition, Acts 7. There's a, a joy. In fact, watch this with me. Acts 13, 52. Look at this. This is, this is beautiful. When the Holy Spirit is working in your life, you can enjoy the Christian life. There's joy in your life, Acts 13, 52. 13, 52. Watch this now. And the disciples were filled with joy and with the what? Right. 
So when the Holy Spirit's really working in your life, you're going to enjoy the Christian life. And there's going to be amazing joy in your relationship with others, even those outside the faith. There'll be Ephesians chapter 5 where it says, Don't be drunk with wine when you're in excess, but be filled with the Spirit. You'll have a thankful spirit. There'll be a willingness to be in subjection to others. There'll be loving family relationships. And I, I should stop here and say, Lord, help me please to be sensitive to your Holy Spirit that I might be able to do the things that you want me to do. One string plus paganaim. Hagi. See, you and the Holy Spirit. And it's amazing what God will do through you. Now, I want to mention just lastly, when we think of the Holy Spirit, often people say, yeah, there's the power in the Christian life. But listen, you don't have that power only because you have the Holy Spirit living within you. So here's what some people don't understand. The baptizing work of the Holy Spirit allows you to be joined to Jesus Christ and at the time of your salvation, the Holy Spirit does come to live within you. But my friends, please remember this today. You're, you're going to go away and you're going to say, Thank you, Lord, for the coming of the Holy Spirit. When he comes, he's going to do certain things, Jesus said. In fact, what he said was, and that's the reason we're here today, he convicts the world of sin, of righteousness, and judgment to come. So when you and I were saved, we were convicted by the Holy Spirit. But when you and I were saved, here's what we've got to remember. We were baptized into Christ. You now, right now, watch the close, the joined hands. You are joined to Jesus Christ. Now, is that power? Well, yeah, it's available. Your position in Christ is available for your power. But there's some people who are joined to Christ. Please don't miss this. This is not meant to be critical. Who don't have the power. Why don't they have the power if they have the Holy Spirit? Because our knowledge of who the Holy Spirit is and the fact that he indwells us must be exercised with faith. You say, do you have a verse for that? I do. I just happen to have one. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 2. Please don't miss this. This is one of those verses of Scripture which you don't want to miss. You got it. You'll love it. You'll love it. You'll love it. Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 2. For indeed the gospel or the good news was preached to them, the people of Israel, as well as to us. But the word that they heard, the truth of God, did not profit them not being mixed with faith. Okay? You have to have a knowledge of the fact that you know Jesus Christ as your Savior and you have the Holy Spirit living within you, but you have to mix that with faith. And so you say, now because I have the Holy Spirit living within me, Lord, I believe that and I want, to, I want his power in my life. So, Lord, when I go to talk to somebody else about Jesus, I'm going to do it. I'm going to step out in faith. I, I haven't talked to this person before. But I'm going to talk to this person about Jesus. And see, you're stepping over in faith. And because the Holy Spirit lives within you, God's going to use what you do. Please don't miss that. Our knowledge of the truth has to be mixed with faith. 
See, the Lord said to the people of Israel, you're going to go into the promised land, and every place your foot steps, I'm going to give you that land. I'm going to give you the land of Canaan. And a whole generation didn't believe it. And they didn't go into the land. What happened to that generation of believers? They died in the... You know what? They heard the word. They heard God said, go on into the land. Yeah, there are giants in the land. Don't worry about giants. You took a course on slaying giants, right? They wouldn't do it. They wouldn't go in. They wouldn't believe. So you and I as believers, we have the Holy Spirit. We believe God wants to use us. One and one. You and the Holy Spirit. So then you want to step out in faith. You know, there's somebody that probably you're thinking about who's a neighbor, maybe one of your relatives, and you say, boy, I don't know if I say something to them about Jesus being the way to heaven, if I say something to them about when you trust Jesus, you can have an abundant life, you can enjoy this life even with its trial. If I say something to people, if I say something, don't worry about it. Step out in faith. And trust the Lord. You see, you have the Holy Spirit living within you. So you mix your knowledge of the Lord with faith. And it's amazing what the Lord will do. Now, again, it's not always easy. And I'm going to, I'm on your side. There's sometimes I hesitate, you know. And the Lord says, nah, get get over there and talk to that person. (laughs) Oh, Lord, you sure you want me to? In Romans 6, 11, it says, Reckon yourselves to be dead indeed to sin, but alive unto God. And when it says, count that to be true, that you died to sin and you're alive to God, that means exercise the faith and step out on that. You see, that verse says, Reckon yourselves to be dead to sin and alive to God. And here's what a lot of Christians never get a handle on, that you and I as believers, we can say no to sin. You and I know that Christ... The Lord told us in this world you're going to have tribulation and you're going to have temptation. Every one of us, you you say, well, I love the Lord and I love my family. Yeah, but Satan's going to come along and he's going to try to tempt you to do something to hurt your family. He's going to tempt you to, to not want to come to church. He's going to tempt you to keep your Bible closed. You don't need to read the Bible this week. That's what Satan does. But by faith we say, no, Lord, I've heard your word. I've heard your truth. And so the point is this. Know that you're indwelt by the Holy Spirit. You've been baptized into the body of Christ, into Christ. You're in union with Christ. And now as a result of having that, boy, when we walk out of here, Lord, <laughs> Lord, I know you live within me and help me to mix faith with what I know to be true. Okay, so let's remember that. When we leave from here, we're going to understand Holy Spirit lives within us. He loves us. He wants to empower us. But I can't really use that power unless I exercise faith and say, Lord, I'm going to take a step. And I'm going to do what you want me to do. For some people, God wants them to teach a Sunday school class. And so they need to take a step out and say, let me have the materials. I'll teach that class. For some people, God wants them to be a part of a small group and get into the Bible with other Christians. You have to take that step and say, I'm coming the next time we have study together. Uh, when the Holy Spirit says, to, look, you've got an aunt or an uncle, you have a relative, and they're not saved. And they're not on their way to heaven. 
you could at least give them a track. You could at least tell them that Jesus Christ is the Savior. And you have to step out. And see, it's when you take that step of faith, knowing that you have the Holy Spirit within you, that he came on the day of Pentecost to put believers, all believers, whenever they're saved, into Christ. When you do that, blessing flows. Let's pray together.